Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 80. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. And then there were four. <laughs> After the divisional rounds, you have the in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming Sunday. In the NFC, it'll be the Lions headed out to San Francisco. So it's the one and three seeds in both conferences. Really good game to end the playoffs day between the Chiefs and the Bills. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing uh, well, relatively speaking. Here, got some interesting. You know, we'll, we'll obviously talk a little bit about uh, who's left and 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 what all happened in these in these games over the weekend uh, here. But uh, I guess first and foremost on on my mind, I know you you tweeted about this yesterday. Uh, <laughs> People are, are not going to want us to go this direction first thing in the podcast, but <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's on my mind. Uh, the rule about fumbling the ball through the end zone. Mm. Controversial. Uh, yeah. Uh, I am 55. I am a traditionalist. I am. I don't like things changed. I hate when they change even a label on a package of food or a <laughs> beverage. It drives me absolutely batty. Uh, even at, at, at being a middle-aged man, like now I have become old man, shakes fist at, at cloud whenever given the opportunity uh, on that. Uh, I was thinking, though, uh, yesterday when that was happening, you tweeted about it, how now, essentially that you're fine with the rule. I know. Look, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that anything that happens as of late in a Bills Chiefs game uh, ends up being a rule change. <laughs> uh, and I won't. I think a lot of a lot of, uh, in, you know, higher up, you know, or or. or, or dignified or i use that word loosely but uh uh reputable you know reporters or whatnot who cover the nfl or, or surrounded by the nfl think that might ultimately be the case this offseason as well too uh i don't hate the rule because everybody knows what it is and it's been around forever now does does that mean uh you know you can't can't change it make it better i guess where i'm going with this is what do you believe was the initial emphasis or reason behind that rule of fumbling the football through the end zone being a, 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 a touchback? It's a good question. I was wondering what the origin story is for that. Is that some sort of weird cork holdover that somehow just kind of got shoehorned into something like this, you know, kind of like the, if you're you know, the way that, Godwin Iguobuque was out of bounds and touched the football and the rule was never really intended to do that, but it does do that. They just never changed it. I'm not quite sure, but I, Mike Tomlin has convinced me over the years, you know, to prioritize ball security. So offenses just can't have that free reign to try to extend across and score. And at least there's one rule that benefits the defense in the NFL. It's probably the only one that actually does a defense a favor in this offensive driven world. So if they change that, it just becomes that much harder to play defense in today's modern NFL. 
Yeah, uh, and I, as everybody was complaining about it yet again, look, I mean, we go through this three, three, four times a year where, where you see instance of that happening and the initial pushback on Twitter, worst rule ever created. I was thinking yesterday, well, what is the, and I have not had time to 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 go back and, and, and look at the org. I guess where I'm getting at is what, you know, it'd be interesting to research the origins of, of that rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the backstory is there, um, but again, I'm okay with it. It's been reported earlier this year the NFL was going to take a look at it, and maybe there was some momentum to change that. Now, if 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 you're not in, if you don't love the rule, how would you like like to see the rule be changed? Because there's a, a bunch of different ways you could you could change this too, and that's kind of an outstanding question. I mean, yeah, it feels like you got to penalize the offense some some way for it, right? Whether it be loss of down or you know, I don't know, 10, 10 yard penalty or, 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 or something like that. But, but you, you hit on a, a key point there. The deep defense has already seemed to be disadvantaged for the most part. Anyway, you're going to take away one more element of it. You know, Bill Belichick talk has talked several times about why he doesn't like players extending the football like that, you mm-hmm. know, for, 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 for that very reason. And on you, you know, you just hit on Mike Tomlin talking about it as well, too. But anyway, you know, that that's obviously going to be, you know, people going to be talking about this week and just coming out of yesterday. I, I figure why not start the show with that? that I, I don't have anything more to add than that, but I won't be surprised if they look if, if, if the competition committee or rules committee or whatnot look, looks at that this all sure. season. I can see that as well. So it's been a slow news front weekend for Pittsburgh right now. There are some Steelers things we want to talk about. But before we do that, since we're on the topic of playoffs, Dave, just your reaction to divisional weekend, the Ravens blowing out Houston in the second half, uh, the Chiefs holding on, the Bills missing wide right again. Oh, my goodness. You have to feel bad for these Buffalo fans. And then Detroit, their great run continues in San Francisco, Green Bay giving them a scare but holding on. And we'll see the status of Debo Samuel for the NFC title game. But your just overall impression, I think maybe you had a direction about quarterbacks that you wanted to go down at some point in this podcast. So just your thoughts on the playoffs this weekend. Yeah, look, I mean, you got to be impressed with what Detroit's been able to do coming out of what 2021 with what was it a three thirteen and one record, and and you know obviously make a couple of trades, get some draft picks, hit on those draft picks, and you're right back in. They're right back in this thing uh, here. So I think uh, that that's impressive. Uh, you know, you look at there's. I'm a broken record here, but I mean, you can't help but look at the quarterbacks. You know, a, a, as a whole. Uh, not only in 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 the remaining four teams, but you know the going into the weekend, the remaining eight here. And uh, I'll leave you with this, and you know, put on if you don't like hearing about adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat. Fast forward through this part of uh, the 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 podcast here, but uh, when it comes to regular season play of the four teams remaining now in the playoffs. The 49ers, the Ravens, and the Lions, three of those teams finished in the top five of team adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat. Uh, 49ers lead the list at a whopping 8.6. The Ravens, believe it or not, uh, Lamar Jackson and company, 7.2. 
The Detroit Lions, a lot of people probably be a bit surprised by this, 7.0 just a net yards for passing attempt stat. Now, uh, the the dragon with the cross eyes, and in other words, which one doesn't seem to belong Mm. here, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, with Patrick Mahomes, 6.0, ranked 14th or tied for ranked tied for 14th in the league with several teams. I I think if you work out the decimal and all like that, several places, they are 14th overall, though, with a 6.0 adjusted net yards for passing attempt uh, number here. Uh, But if you want to circle back to teams that were eliminated uh, over the weekend here, the Green Bay Packers, 7th. Uh, during the season, 6.7 adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat. Buffalo Bills, 6.5. Who else was eliminated? The Buccaneers, uh, 6.5, 10th overall. Uh, Who else was uh, uh, eliminated over the Did you mention Buffalo's? Yeah, Buffalo uh, ranked 8th, 6.5. Not surprising there with Josh Allen and company. And if you want to go back and look at you know just the teams in general that made the playoffs, the lowest ranked team uh, as far as team adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat that 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 made the playoffs was of course the Pittsburgh Steelers at five point six. The next lowest would have been the Eagles, and even they were six point uh, oh uh, as far as that's concerned. There, so. Uh, you, you you better have a quarterback. You better be able to throw the football down the field. I mean, I, it, 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 it's not earth shattering when it comes to that. But I think if you look in individually at these final four teams right now, you know, Lamar Jackson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Jared Goff, and who am I leaving out there? Uh, oh, uh, Brock Purdy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, now Brock Purdy, obviously not, not, not a pedigree guy, uh, there, but is, his has definitely done well in the short time in the NFL there. If you're going to make hay in these playoffs, you got to have, got to have good quarterback play. I mean, running the football and playing defense, obviously are elements during the season that you have to have, but if you're going to get to the playoffs and if you're going to make, you know, win a game and if you're going to go going to get to the, uh, conference championship. I mean that this is year in year out. Uh you got to have you got to have good quarterback play. And I guess where I'm going with this is you know where where are the Steelers going with their quarterback position? Sure, that's a point that we've made and will continue to make and I'm sure that's not going to stop going forward given the landscape of the AFC. So having good quarterback play does not guarantee you, you know, the chance to to go to the Super Bowl, but the absence of it makes it really, really difficult to do so. Um, and I look at the Chiefs, for example, you know, some of their metrics that, you know, for the regular season day, the Chiefs were a negative 11, minus 11 in turnover differential. They only had 17 takeaways. It's a really low number, but they had Patrick Mahomes. He does Patrick Mahomes like things. So that allows them to overcome some of those things. And when you're a uh, Baltimore or San Francisco, and you have a great turnover differential and a great defense with that really strong quarterback play, then you become that really complete team that seems very difficult to beat. So as you said, it's not earth shattering. I think people understand it, but the point remains, especially in the AFC, ton of great quarterbacks. None of those guys are going anywhere anytime soon. Some guys are going to get back healthier. 
draft picks likely to be added at some point in a relatively strong quarterback class. That's what Pittsburgh will be competing with for the next five plus years. Yeah. And there was obviously the stat last night uh, that seems to surface every year and, and surfaced again because of Patrick Mahomes. You have to go all the way back to what was the 2011 season, I think, for the last time that the AFC championship game did not include either Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, he's made six straight, and Brady, I think, has the record of going to eight straight at one point in his career. So, you know, you expect those guys and those teams to, you know, be in it until the end. I mean, you're obviously you seeing kind of a you know bit of a changing of the guard, I guess, if you will, on 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 on, on the NFC side, but uh uh, you know, it's not hard to envision at this point now a guy like Brock Purdy showing up in this thing every couple of years. Uh, you saw, you, I mean, you saw some quarterbacks really come on this year. I mean, Jordan Love, we talked about going back to to the game against the Steelers, and and at that time we threw out to uh, uh, to 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 the beat right there. Uh, you know, who who would who would you take moving forward, <laughs> Jordan Love or Kenny Pickett? You know, uh, and I think it's unquestionable at this point uh, the way Jordan Love has played that he's he's over the hump at this point. Man, you know Baker Mayfield. There's no way the Buccaneers let ba- Baker Mayfield get away this offseason, right? Wouldn't expect it. He wants to come back. He's happy there. He's had success there, so I would expect him to remain in Tampa Bay. Yes. And then the Texans, I mean, uh, at least on the surface with C.J. Stroud, seems like they've hit hit gold there. Uh, it's just, I think, you know, your overarching takeaway as, as, a, as a Steelers fan and, and, and analyst is, you know, what are the Steelers going to do at the quarterback position? And, and obviously going to be interesting to see the OC hire that this team has, and that's going to be another segment that we're going to talk about, segue into here, here pretty soon uh, as far as this show goes. But, you know, is one of Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph that guy? Sure. And I think most people would be at the least skeptical of that, at least when compared to the names we just mentioned. And the other point I want to make that maybe is a little bit less obvious, you know, obviously some of these quarterbacks are you know, top three picks. You got a couple of number one overall picks who played this weekend in Goff and Baker, CJ Stroud, a very high pick, but not all these guys were. Mahomes. Where Mahomes go? 14th overall, I think. Josh Allen was 7th. Lamar Jackson was 32nd. Baltimore, remember Baltimore, they drafted Hayden Hurst over Lamar Jackson, <laughs> the, the old South Carolina 26-year-old tight end, former Pirates pitcher. And then they traded back up into the last pick of the first round to take Lamar Jackson. Brock Purdy, obviously, you know, 7th round pick. So while obviously your blue chip quarterbacks are, you know, often taken in the top, you know, number one overall, top five picks, some of these names have fallen down through, at least into relatively attainable places for Pittsburgh to potentially trade up in. If they wanted to go to seven, that's possible. It would take a lot. It would cost a lot, but it's not trying to go to number one where it just feels impossible to do so, or we're in the, you know, 10, 11 type spot or something like that. So just an interesting point that not all these quarterbacks, while they have been first rounders, pretty aside, not all of them have been top three selections. Right, right. Uh, and look, I mean, to, to me, you just and it's been this way for, for years. I mean, ever since the inception of this show, uh, been talking about the importance of quarterbacks and you don't have a good quarterback. It doesn't feel like you're going to win. A super, you know, it, you might get in there like the Steelers did this year and 
And, you know, who knows, you know, uh, uh, you might win a game here and there, but uh, to, to, to get to that next level, to get back to winning, you know, championships feels like you got to have one of quote unquote, the guy, I mean, yeah, and throw the stats uh, uh, aside. You just look at some of the, some of the, mm-hmm. some of the throws and some of the plays that these quarterbacks made just this, this, this past weekend alone. Right. I mean, even Stroud. Uh, some of those, uh, you know, the dagger concepts and his ability to throw in the middle of the field. Jordan Love did some really nice things, uh, 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 in, in, you know, these last couple of weeks here, Mayfield can still, even though he made, you know, made a, a crucial mistake there at the end of that game, he's still able to push that football down the field. Uh, golf still, still able to throw, uh, and, 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 and throw to the middle field. And obviously you got guys that can use their feet in, in Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, obviously Lamar Jackson, um, you know, you, and then you look back at the Steelers situation right now and you just wonder, you know, it's just, just going, you know, what's, what's, what's the ceiling when it comes to the quarterback position, assuming they get a guy like, Mason Rudolph back to compete with Kenny Pickett. Sure. Again, that's going to be the question. Honestly, the best throw of the weekend, maybe the best throw of the year was an incompletion. And you posted it on Twitter, that 61 yard throw that Josh Allen had to digs that went right through his hands. And if he catches that, they might've won that game. I mean, that is good luck finding a better throw than that one. And people automatically came at me. Well, it was with the wind and, and, and all like that. I don't, I don't care. Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, that was, that was right in his hands. You, I mean, you're talking 62, 63 yards from, from launch point down the field in cold weather in, in a, in a, in a key moment of a, you know, game playoff game. And you could not have run down there and probably mm-hmm. place that ball in any any better than that. Now look, it, it's not all about throwing the football sixty something sure. yards down the field, but let me tell you, that does not hurt. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it, just high level quarterback play right. gets you to a chance to win a trophy. Right, and and once again, I mean, you got to be impressed with with things Stroud did, and you know, you got Lamar Jackson able to make throws and and. Uh, you know, Purdy love and, and geez, I mean, you go through all these quarterbacks and you roll back in your head, just the plays that, 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 that quarterbacks made in these previous four games. Quarterbacks important. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not breaking any ground there. And, you know, it's partly because of the quarterback play, but you're seeing aggressive teams too, teams that are more willing to push the envelope. And there's a, a risk to that. You know, I know that in LA, for example, Braden Staley, he was aggressive at times and it got burned and he got, you know, mocked at for it, but Dan Campbell being aggressive, even though it didn't work, the, the Bills running that that fake punt, there's a level of aggression that, you know, these teams will make. And you're seeing a team that was a bit more conservative, like Tampa Bay, they lose because of that. Um, in, in Pittsburgh, you know, understandably, it has a conservative slant right now because they don't have that high level type play and they have to really protect the football. But again, philosophically, it's hard to be kind of more, you know, ball control and conservative and let's not make the mistake. And, and have that lead you to a championship pass. It's just hard to do. All right. Uh, let, let's indulge the people here. We're talking about quarterback here before, because we're obviously going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, you've got a great post on on offensive coordinators and, and who should be at the top of the list for the Steelers, the most logical. I want to get to that in a minute here. But let's say this team did not wanted to go 
indeed wanted to go the fruit, the free agent route or the trade route this offseason mm-hmm. to, to take another quarterback stab. What would that look like? In terms I, of the who or the how or both? I, I guess both. I mean, it, it, it indulge the folks here that think they got to go outside and not necessarily the draft uh, to do it. A lot of people are trying to point. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up the name Justin Fields. I don't think we're going to get away from uh, people wanting wanting to talk about Justin Fields uh, this offseason. But uh, here, here's the thing. Once again, when you get to, and I wrote about this several, several weeks ago, if you did trade for a guy like Justin Fields, A, what would you have to give up to get a guy like that uh, from, from, from the Bears? Uh, second, it would be, uh, you you know, if you turn around and, and and did trade for a guy because his fifth year option decision, you know, do you do you throw a pick at him? Don't pick up his fifth year option. See how he does for one year, and if he passes the uh, passes the, the you know uh, the sniff test, uh, and you would obviously then have to franchise tag him and then you'd probably have to sign him to a long-term deal and then be married to him X amount of years. I mean, he'd have to have one hell of a, uh, a good first season, you know, uh, with, with the Steelers to, to, to make that worthwhile. Is that anybody at all you, you would consider? I hadn't sat down and really watched and broken down Justin Fields. If you want to make the case for him, Let's just kind of entertain that for a moment. He makes some of those high-end, high-level plays, often with his feet, but he can with his arm, too. When it comes together, he looks like a really promising quarterback in the out-of-structure stuff and the run-game-element stuff. And could that open up even more Najee Harris and Jalen Warren when teams have to account for the quarterback in the run game? That really stresses them. Now They only have now 10 to defend the, the running back. Well, somebody's got to be focused on the quarterback. So that, that's the attraction with Justin Fields is – if you kind of smooth out his consistency some and some of the technical stuff in the past game, you'd have a quarterback that can make some really high-level plays like what you see these quarterbacks playing this weekend are capable of doing. Okay. Well, once again, you you would run into the situation that he hasn't, you know, are, uh, you know can, can you set up an environment in a situation with an OC and, and, and coaching to bring out uh, – uh, of of Justin Fields, what you know, no, you know, what the Bears have been un- unable to do so far. Sure, that's fair. And the problem, if you try to map this out, is you're hiring your OC before you trade for Justin Fields, and you can't hire the OC based off the assumption you're going to trade for Justin Fields. And can those guys mesh and make right. it work? You know, it, it, it's going to be tricky to do. So, again, I, I my I'm a proponent of the draft. That's usually where these teams again the the quarterbacks who are playing. I mean. I mean, golf was traded, but, you know, in the AFC, these are all draft picks. They stay with their team. They, they draft, develop, they start, they become elite players. That's how I would focus on the quarterback position. But if you want to talk about the other names, you can mention Fields and the high-level plays he's capable of making. And for starters, once again, Fields is under contract with the Bears through 2024, and he's set to earn a fully guaranteed uh, uh, a little, little bit more than $3.2 next season as the final uh, year of his rookie contract, uh, his fifth year option decision is due by by um, coming up here in May. That fifth year option, you know, is obviously for the 2025 season, and I think 
uh, it would be estimated that that uh, would be 20, almost $22 million that you'd be locked into fully guaranteed money for 2025. So I'm not advocating this. I'm just indulging the people that want, want, want to talk about that. Uh, that in other words, if you went out this off season and you traded for Justin Fields, you'd almost, you'd almost be forced to go ahead and pick up the fifth year option. Cause what, you know, what, why are you going that direction, throw the draft capital, uh, uh, and stuff to get him anyway? Uh, you know, you would be locked into paying him nearly $22 million in 2025, but you know, that. That's a lot of money to get locked into for the for the if come. You know, people will point to, well, look, look, look at what's happened with Jared Goff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but has Fields even had I- any kind of near the success that that Goff had before he was traded away? Yeah, I mean, Goff what went to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, he was he, put, he did. I don't think he led them necessarily to the Super Bowl. It was kind of the the scheme and the team around him. Um, Fields again has had his moments. You know, he's been, he's a really flighty kind of dude. Some really great moments, some really questionable ones. Still trying to figure out that consistency and reduce the mistakes in his game, and you're trying to build around that as an offense. And those are maybe some of the challenges that come with Justin Fields. I wonder what the Bears' timetable, if they were to trade him, would be because they hold the top, well, they hold the top pick. So is it just once they get comfortable and kind of give the official, you know, thumbs up to a Caleb Williams. Is that when they decide, okay, we're going to take Caleb Williams. He's our guy. So let's trade Justin Fields. Will that be later in the year post combine? I don't know. I wonder when those rumors and those kind of conversations will begin. I would think obviously later in this process, you know, of of the pre-draft process, I, I could see it happening, you know, a couple of weeks out from the draft or during the draft itself. Yeah, but storing the draft, that could be even crazier uh, mm-hmm. if it's right around that time. So, yeah, it's going to be later. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be next week. I just don't know how much later is later. Is it in, in could it even be post-draft if they draft him and they get Caleb Williams in the building and he looks good in OTAs? I don't know. I mean, obviously, teams would like to trade for fields. The sooner the better so they can plan out their, 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 their course financially and from a draft standpoint, need standpoint, get him in the system as early as you can. So, I just wonder how that timeline will look. Okay, and you know, obviously, we're going to hear a lot more probably about Kirk Cousins and and Russell Wilson. But if you go down those paths, you're going to probably have to pay a little bit through the nose contractually uh, first and foremost. And these aren't guys that are going to play another <laughs> five six years in the league. It, it would be for the we want to win it now crowd, right? Sure. And I think Pittsburgh, there's enough talent. If you were to add a Kirk Cousins, you know, you're going to have a obviously a better chance, I think, to compete. There is going to be a more plausible path. You're not in this rebuild mode where you're kind of sticking a veteran quarterback with a team that needs a lot of work overall. Pittsburgh needs some work, but they made the playoffs despite all the issues that they had this year. So there's a case to be made there. Um, Yeah, Cousins is a good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback, but he might be in that tier below those elite level quarterbacks he is that potentially you know top 12-ish type of quarterback in football where if everything comes together you stay healthy got a good defense good run game yeah you there's a there's a possible path to to compete there and Wilson I mean he did play really well the first half of the year I mean he was playing some really good football for Sean Payton and then things kind of you know went crazy down the stretch and the whole contract issues and he gets benched and 
uh, they're probably going to you know, have a divorce there. But it is important to point out Wilson's numbers overall look good and his play early in the season seemed to be doing pretty well. All that said, and based on what Mike Tomlin said recently in, in, in his, in, I mean, how shocked would you be if this team went outside and traded for or signed uh, a, a free agent? Now, Mike Tomlin did say during, you know, as far as he was asked, does he, does he watch these quarterbacks during the draft process? And he, he chalked it up to, I love personnel. So uh, I'm, I'm going to watch every position, so to speak. And the quarterback position, you know, basically being so important, he's going to pay attention to that because you might be facing these guys, mm-hmm. you know, uh, down the road. Is there anything that leads you to believe that this team would go down the road of trading for a Fields or uh, going after a Russell Wilson or or or, 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 or Kirk, Kirk Cousins? No, I would be shocked. I do not expect it. And I'm not here advocating for it. I'm just entertaining the thought process because I think we've talked about, yeah, it's it's almost certainly not going to happen. But if you want to just kind of be open to it for a moment in, in, in a conversation in a long off season to, to discuss what those guys offer, it, it's okay to do that. So I'm not saying they should. I'm not expecting them to. But just to put on that hat for a second, that's kind of the the value, the benefit, the idea behind it. Should this team, however, I'm with you. I, I'd be shocked if they if they went down either of those roads from based on you know what has come out of people's mouths so far. Do you want them to though? Do you think they should explore that a Kirk Cousins a Fields? No, but I tell you this, uh, I would not be opposed to to seeing them show up at some quarterback pro days <laughs> in the pre-draft process. Yeah, I get that. Um, have you? I know we're very early in the draft process. Are there any quarterbacks that you just kind of casually? No, uh, no. I mean, uh, other than just the names out there and watching college football through the season, I have not dug into the tape uh, enough. Uh, uh, I mean, look, Penix. You know, I e- even though you know he's got the in- he's he's got some impressive throws on tape. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. but then there's the injury concerns and all like that. And, you know, so already there's talk about what is he, is he a first round or is he a third round, you know, third round guy and all like that. I haven't dug far enough into his tape, uh, 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 with that, but you know, there's going to be a lot of, because this, because of the position being so valued, those guys tend to tend to end up getting drafted at least in the third round or higher. You know, I don't know who's going to fall and all like that. I, I, I would just leave it at this. I think that the team, uh, especially whoever comes in, a, a, you know, uh, offensive coordinator, you know, should be involved in properly of thoroughly evaluating the quarterback class just to stay in the habit of doing it more than anything, too. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I think that they will and they should be and they need to be. Yeah. Penix will be a guy that we might talk about more than the others because Caleb Williams, there's no chance. Obviously, Drake may almost no chance. Jaden Daniels probably is going to go you know, within the top five, top 10, not going to be a realistic option for Pittsburgh. But Penix is a guy that, you know, maybe a later first round, second round type of dude. I'm not really sure where he's going to settle in at, but he's a he's a realistic name to discuss in this draft process. All right. Well, kind of ending it with with this. I mean, we'll see what happens. With, 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 what if this team isn't uh, able to get Mason Rudolph back under contract? You know, 
Well, I think they go sign a veteran equivalent. I'm not sure who that name is. Not not you know, Cousins, not Wilson, but a veteran equivalent because they need a, a they can't have a rookie come in and you know try to compete with with Pickett probably um, in terms of a you know, third fourth round pick. So probably just some sort of other veteran to come in. All right. It feels like their priority will be, and, and in so many words, Mike Tomlin said, we'd like to have Mason Rudolph back. So it'd be interesting to see what happens these next couple of weeks, especially maybe that week or so right before free agency starts. Do you take any stock? Some of the beat guys were putting lower odds on Rudolph's return than us, around 30%, 45%. I know we're all just kind of you know arbitrary numbers here, but did that give you any sort of second thought to the likelihood of Rudolph returning? I mean, I think his most likely landing spot is coming back to the devil he knows. And, I, you know, uh, uh, I think it all comes down to price once again. I think, once again, I think Mason increased his value and how could he not in those in those games that he played in? I still think there's a cap on how he's viewed around the league uh, overall. Uh, it, it, you know, so I... What what's the question? What do I read much into the percentage? Chance? I I think I think the Steelers are the favorites to resign him or or to to land him. I'm with you, but yeah, I think you know Mark Cabaldi from the Athletics said 30 percent chance, and Trubisky could stay. And you know if they can't resign Rudolph, we had a discussion. What does that mean for Trubisky? Does he stay around at least longer? Because are you gonna you know uh, not pick up the roster bonus on Trubisky as Rudolph is walking out the door? You know, you can argue that certainly Trubisky should stick around for at least a little bit to give you another option. So we'll see. But I, I think there's still a, you know, greater than 50 percent chance. And I think even higher than that, that Rudolph will resign with Pittsburgh. Well, here, here's the thing. Now, obviously, this was uh, pre Omar Khan and all like that. This team hated not having options under contract when it came to the quarterback room. You know, we saw it a couple of years ago when they when they uh, even uh uh, inked Mason Rudolph to to that extension that they had. They like to have options, uh, at least I think heading in 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 into the draft of at least having a couple of guys under contract. Now, technically, right now, uh, Mitch Trubisky is under contract for 2024, and obviously Kenny Pickett is as well too. So, uh, the thing it the the good thing with Trubisky. If there is any good thing with, with Trubisky, is that 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 roster bonus is after the start of the new league year. So you should have your, you would think that you'd have your answer on Mason Rudolph, whether or not he's coming back by the time that roster bonus is due. And it, obviously, if you get Mason Rudolph re-signed, you would think you 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 turn loose Mitch Trubisky. Oh, sure. If Rudolph does come back before that roster bonus is due, then there's no chance they're going to pick that up on Trubisky. There's no point at that point. But if they don't, then that becomes the question. Yeah, look, I mean, you better have an, an, a, a, another one lined up, ready to go. Mm-hmm. If, if not, then you're going to you're going to at least probably pay that roster bonus to Mitch to get you through draft season. You know? Yeah, I think that's where that that could be headed if that scenario plays out. So something to watch for sure. All right. Uh, without further ado, you've got a great post about the five most logical candidates uh, for the Steelers' offensive coordinator, and there's a little there's a little bit development uh, to that list <laughs> uh, even this morning here. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you and and let you roll through. 
It is the five most logical. There are six names on there because why, why are they the most logical? Start, start it that way. Mm-hmm. Re- re- recap, recap that. Yeah, the way that I frame this is the names who fit the criteria that Mike Tomlin laid out during his end-of-year presser. And there were three things. A, no internal candidates, so no Eddie Faulkner, no Mike Sullivan. It will be an outside external hire. And then B, Tomlin prefers somebody with coordinator experience, I presume, at the NFL level, not somebody that's new the way that Randy Feetner or Matt Canada were new to calling plays at the NFL level for the first time, the struggles that came with that. So kind of an established name, not necessarily a young up and comer. And then third, while it probably wasn't a requirement, the preference and Tomlin called it significant that the OC would have a quarterback coaching background of some sort, somebody that can work with quarterbacks, given the position Pittsburgh is in that Kenny Pickett is in that Mason Rudolph may be in if he were to return. So outsider experience, quarterback background, That's how I made up this list. And again, it was 6 until about 7 a.m. this morning when I woke up and scrolled through Twitter and saw the Chicago Bears were finalizing a deal to hire uh, Seahawks OC Shane Waldron to be their OC. So I left Waldron's name on the list because I'd already had this long, you know, article written out and I just had the update that he's now off the board. So um, it actually kind of really sucked because I, 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 Walden was going to be my guy. I was, I was preparing Dave to come on the show today and be like, the Steelers should go hire Shane Waldron, and they're not going to get that chance because he's headed to uh, Chicago now. All right. Now roll, roll, roll through each one of these uh, other, other ones individually. Yeah. The, and this is in no order at, at first, and then I'll kind of go through the names that I think are most likely to be you know, the options for Pittsburgh, but starting with Pep Hamilton, who currently works for NFL Network, Pittsburgh interviewed him, or at least they had, I don't know if they actually they interviewed him, but they had interest in him in 2021 before promoting Matt Canada. There were three names floated at the time, Canada, Hamilton, and Hugh Jackson. And so Hamilton, quarterback background, working with Andrew Locke, Justin Herbert had success with those guys. Herbert became rookie of the year in 2020, where Hamilton was the quarterback's coach. He has the OC experience. He's with the Texans in 2022. He's with the Colts. Did it in college at Stanford for a couple of years as well. He's been a head coach. He's been a GM with the XFL briefly. He was at DC Defenders. So he's kind of worn all those types of hats and just are kind of known for coaching the quarterback position. Um, he's a brought up in the West Coast system, but doesn't you know be holding himself to those ideals. He wants a power run game, rhythm completions, pretty open in meetings for guys to come in bring in their ideas. Now I know his last stop in Houston in 2022 did not go well. That offense was bad, but they really had no talent. They had no quarterback play. So how much do you judge him harshly for it? It's hard to say, but for Pittsburgh showing the interest before his quarterback background, checking those boxes, I think Hamilton makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I would agree. And it's some, someone we've definitely talked about before past in, 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 on, in post and on, on this show as well too. All right. Who, what you got next? Do we know if he ever interviewed for the job? I know I'm kind of, we're trying to think way back, but all I ever saw was an, an interview was coming and they had interest. I don't know if one actually took place with Hamilton and the Steelers. I don't know if we know that for sure. No. All right. Next on the list is Alex Van Pelt. And this got mentioned last week when the Browns and kind of clear cleaning house offensively, uh, the OC in Cleveland, uh, he was let go by the team. Now, I, I, I think the connections really shouldn't matter much. Pittsburgh just has to focus on getting the higher right. But sometimes those connections and those ties to Tomlin or the organization or the city 
they don't hurt. And so Van Pelt was born in Pittsburgh, played for the Pitt Panthers, drafted by the Steelers in the early 90s. Um, but more to his resume, he was Aaron Rodgers' quarterback coach through 2014 to 2017. Rodgers thought highly of him. He's been the Browns' OC for the past four seasons until being let go. Now, he was not the play caller. That is important to note there. Kevin Stefanski called the plays there, except for the 2020 wildcard game in which Stefanski was at home with COVID, and Van Pelt called that as Cleveland upset. Pittsburgh Van Pelt was the Bills OC in 2009. I believe he called the plays then, so he does have that experience, although it was a long time ago. Um, again, quarterback play. He wants to be a voice in that room. Uh, he believes in the run game. That'll fit with Pittsburgh because they're going to still be a run-oriented type of team. Uh, the downside, again, lack of play calling and seems to be more of a wide zone, outside zone preference in the run game, which does not fit Pittsburgh's personality with Harris and Warren. But for the connections and more importantly, the quarterback background, I can see Van Pelt at least being brought in for an interview. Man, with what he was able to do with the Browns, specifically, yeah. you know, specifically this past year. And yeah, I know. He, uh, but I mean, look, they, they had lost Chubb, obviously, early in the season. Is, was this do you think this is just more of a a, a, a clash of heads of why he got let go by Cleveland? Right. That's a great question. I don't know. Um, I, it, it kind of felt like there was probably something behind the scenes because on the surface, it worked well. I mean, they were on their four string quarterback. They lost all their offensive tackles. They lose Nick Chubb and they finish as the 10th ranked scoring offense in football. I mean, it's unbelievable how well they kept things together despite all the crap they dealt with. So it didn't feel like it was a production issue um, for sure. I mean, you look what they were able to get done with even Joe Flacco and, uh, you know, scheming things and, and, and getting yeah. players open the way they did. And man, the use of the tight end in that offense, obviously, uh, you know, they were able to get things done on the ground with, 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 with those running backs, even after Chubb went down. Uh, it made it curious why he was out the door. It, it is, but. You know, if they're going to hire somebody with experience, that means they're going to hire somebody who failed along the way, who got fired or something went wrong that just comes with the territory of that experience as opposed to the up and comer who's really unproven. But you hope the guy can can make it work. So that that's a story on Van Pelt. Right. Bevel, next on the list here, the Dolphins pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's been if you want experience for, you know, an OC position. He's your guy, four-time OC, Minnesota, Seattle, Detroit, Jacksonville, quarterbacks coach early in his career, obviously Miami, really exciting offense, ton of creativity, kind of like, I shouldn't say it's the Matt Canada offense on steroids, but I mean, it is this, you know high level motion-based, you know, matchup-based type of offense. And they ranked, what, first in yards and total yards and passing yards, second in points. And everyone knows how good the Dolphins were this year and also just for that connection aspect he was on staff with mike tomlin in minnesota in 2006 bevel was the oc tomlin was the dc so there's, there's some probably history and connection between daryl bevel and mike tomlin i think i called him darren bevel on the last show so i'll, I'll get the name right this time it's daryl bevel and he again checks everything this team is looking for he was even a quarterback in college and uh, as well too right I think so. Yeah. So the quarterback background, he was also the Jaguars interim head coach uh, whenever what Urban Meyer got fired in 2021. So just wearing those hats of leadership and all of that. Now, I mean, he's kind of been known, you know, for being a bit conservative with the run game. And of course, there was that whole, you know, play call in the Super Bowl that got picked by Malcolm Butler. Uh, that just one moment in time. But people will not forget that. So I, I do wonder 
will he keep the creativity once he, if he were to leave Miami, you know, would he still be able to do that with the personnel and not being around a guy like Mike McDaniel? I, I don't know for sure. All right. Next on the list. But younger, kind of a different background, Clint Kubiak, a name that's been mentioned, I'm sure, a couple times around Steelers OC circles from the media and other places. But Vikings OC in 2021, currently the 49ers pass game coordinator. The son of Gary Kubiak was the Broncos quarterbacks coach in 2022, also their pass game coordinator. So everyone knows the high level offense San Francisco's running, um, marrying, you know, the run game and the pass game play action, just really strong scheme. Overall, Kubiak viewed as one of those up-and-comer types who probably coordinate an offense here sooner than later. Again, does have at least one year of experience doing that in Minnesota in 2021. So if you kind of want the younger, kind of young and up-and-comer, but with that experience too, that blend, Kubiak can be the guy. What is he, 36? 36 years old. Okay. All right. Uh, you mentioned you know Shane Waldron's on your list, but it doesn't look like that's... Uh, it looks like he's going somewhere else. Uh, uh, Liam, Liam Cohen. Yeah. just wanted to have a different name on here. Uh, Liam Cohen. Uh, I think it's Cohen. Yeah. Cohen, uh, from Kentucky. He's with the Kentucky Wildcats OC, but he's kind of, he's weirdly bounced back and forth between the Rams and Kentucky. He was the wild. He was the Rams assistant quarterbacks coach in 2020, then went to Kentucky to be their OC in 2021. Then went back to the Rams in 2022 to be their OC, and then back to Kentucky in 2023 to be their, their OC and quarterbacks coach. Uh, Kentucky's had great success in college. They've you look at the the year without uh, him as their OC, they they averaged 20 points per game in the two two years he's been their OC. They averaged around 30 points per game. The McVay tree marrying the run and pass game. Um, some of those ideals Pittsburgh will be looking for. You know that's kind of more of a yeah. Probably not going to be the guy, but but I think Cohen you know, again makes sense. Uh, I think that's all on your list. Uh, Zach mm-hmm. Zach Robinson, he has uh, he's never been a, 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 an NFL offensive coordinator, right? Right, he is not. So that's why he was not on that list. Could it be him? Sure, it could be. And you know, there's a Mason Rudolph connection there, and the Rams connection, and all that kind of stuff. But it didn't seem like he was going to fit the criteria. That's why he's not on there. It's why, you know, even though I think T. Martin's interesting name is not on there. He's been an OC in college. Martin has, but not at the NFL level. So I was just trying to stay within the guidelines of what Tomlin was seemingly outlining. Uh, uh, is there a reason why you didn't put uh, Byron Leftwich or who's uh, Dorsey? Yeah, I mean, you know, I could have put another half dozen names on the list, um, you know, left, which we've talked about before. You know, Dorsey, I, I had to do some more research on why he got fired midseason by Buffalo. You know, I think he would make sense as well. I mean, I had other names that I you know, had on an initial list of uh, Bo Hardegree from the Raiders, who was not being retained by Antonio Pierce, to Mike McCoy, to even kicked around, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, but I, I don't think his system is going to work well in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, I had probably a dozen names initially that I kind of whittled down to a more, you know, concrete list of people. But yeah, Dorsey can be mentioned as well. All right. And you came up with your final leaderboard. Yeah. Again, I would have had Waldron not just been hired by Chicago, or at least re- reportedly hired. He would have been my guy for the scheme versatility for quarterback play McVay I think he was like, the guy um, in terms of who I think will be the most attractive to Pittsburgh of this list. And again, who knows? There's so many names that can be mentioned. I think Daryl Bevel, Dave, and you mentioned him last week on Wednesday's or Friday show makes the most amount of sense for his, you know, just, just 
tons of OC experience, what Miami did this year, um, his quarterback background, but also still being rooted in that run game. I think Daryl Bevel is a guy that Pittsburgh will have a lot of interest in. Give yourself a percentage of a chance that one of these three guys winds up being the guy. Well, of, of one of the three, because my leaderboard was Bevel and then Van Pelt and then Pep Hamilton. Right. You know, um, the percentage yeah. chance. Yeah, I, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, we're, we're obviously just kind of we are we are literally guessing here. Eighty you know. percent. No, I wouldn't give myself that much credit. I mean, 50%, maybe a coin flip. One of these guys becomes the guy. I mean, it just, you know, I mean, who knows? They might even hire somebody that didn't hit all those notes that Tomlin mentioned. Maybe somebody just gets interviewed and they blow him away and they just say, we're going to hire this guy because he just seems to be too darn good. So there's no, there's no guarantee it's going to be those hitting all those notes Mike Tomlin talked about. Yeah, but you would think that my first question after the fact would be, well, you said that I, I, you know, his his words would get thrown back at him, right? You said you wanted one, you know, with with with, with NFL coordinator experience, you know. Yeah, I mean, it could be something where you know it's an Arthur Smith, where he maybe doesn't have the technical quarterback coach position before, but he's been an OC and been a head coach, and so he's worked with quarterbacks, and so that's good enough. I mean, yeah, it, it could be something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, but you know, it, could, it could be a guy that hits all those notes. It's not on this list. You can have another, you're going to have a, a worksheet here. I can probably pull up all of all the other names. I just kind of, you know, thumbed through as I was you know researching this stuff over the weekend. If I can find a Kellen Moore, if he doesn't get blocked by the chargers, um, you know, Pete Carmichael of the saints or longtime OC who got fired, but I don't think that made a, a ton of sense overall. Um, yeah. Kingsbury. I mean, just, you know, all, all the names that you could, you could talk about. I'll, I, you won't do it, but I'll give you a 75% chance that one of those, one of these three end up being the guy. I mean, they, you've all, you've made, you did really good job researching this and, uh, uh, it's hard. It's, 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 it's hard to find fault with your final top three leaderboard. Really? Yeah, I think they all make sense. And I know I took a little while to get this article up and other places have probably written about some of these things before, but I mean, I didn't want to just write their name and say, okay, here's their Wikipedia page. And this is the guy that they could have interest in. I wanted to really go deep into the background and research them and listen to their interviews. And of course, whoever the hire is, we're going to research that 10 times more, but I really wanted to have a, a list of names that I thought I was familiar with and made sense and, and truly seemed to fit what Pittsburgh was looking for. And look, this thing now at this point should start moving per, per, pretty quick, right? Uh, with the senior bowl coming up and all like that. Yeah, I think you're going to hear some interview names this week. I still expect a hire to be made post-senior bowl. I would probably say the first week of February, just too tight of a turnaround with the senior bowl coming up. If they talk to some guys down there and have some dinners and I don't know, some, maybe some movement gets made at the senior bowl or the shrine bowl. Um, but my guess is first week of February is when the hire will actually occur. All right. Good job on that. Do you have any thoughts about any other OC names as you've kind of thought think, about a list I think or anything? I think you've covered the gamut here. I mean, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I brought up the name Zach Robinson, but once again, he doesn't fit because of, you know, he would fit because of his mm-hmm. association. We've talked about him before association yep. with, with Mason Rudolph and all like that. But I mean, if we're, we're looking at, if we're looking at the criteria that Mike Tomlin laid out, I mean, it's, you know, other than adding guys like Leftwich and Dorsey, and I mean, you, you you could build the list out easily six, seven, eight more, right? You know. Oh yeah. Uh, but I think as far as links, you know, uh, uh, to Pittsburgh and 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 what they should be looking for, and you know, once again, all the criteria that Mike Tomlin laid out, man, I, I think you nailed it. 
yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy it. And uh, you can see the whole list on SteelersDepot.com. All right, Dave, uh, let's talk about uh, current Steelers as opposed to potential future you know, people in that building. Mason Cole, I know we talked about him on Friday's show, but you had a great article that was really well received, you know, kind of giving the heads up to fans that, hey, this guy, you know, while he may not be on the week one roster, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be on this roster past uh, March and into uh, the bulk of the offseason into the summer. So kind of lay out why you think that is. I don't know how well received it was. <laughs> well, I mean, it was read well, people. Oh, yeah. Uh, Point taken, though. Uh, and and this kind of goes back a little bit to our conversation the other day there. Look, uh, we we all get it. Uh, this team, uh, if, 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 if they can any way around it, they don't need Mason Cole to be their week one uh, starting center. Uh, this is a position that I hope this team addresses uh, uh, sooner rather than later in the 2024 draft. But, you know, this, the Steelers also don't like to, you know, put themselves in a hole where they absolutely have to go in 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 a certain uh, draft positionally. Now, look, they they do have other guys under contract uh, uh, for 2024 who can play center. You, know, you talk about James Daniels and or, or Nate Herbig. Uh, do you really want to get in a situation where it might be one of those guys? You know, you got Spencer Anderson. There's been all that talk about can, can he potentially uh, move to center and all like that. Uh, I think at the core of this, with the just with with you looking at Cole's roster bonus decision being in on March 19th and that being $1.5 million. Now, if this, if the roster bonus decision was 3 million or 4 million, I think it, I, I think you're, you know, uh, I, I think it makes it a lot easier to predict that a guy like that would be out the door, but would it absolutely kill this team to, to, pay that roster bonus on March 19th and then see what happens from that point uh, forward. Even at the end of the last show, we talked about who are guys that might, you know, you might retain that end up being trade trade candidates of, of this team later on in the off season. Uh, long story short, don't, I'm not saying this is a slam dunk. I, and the reason I wrote this is, is it a foregone conclusion that Cole is out the door on March 19th. And I, and, and my takeaway here, and, and it's, it's the principle of the article is I'll not, I don't think anybody should be shocked if he is, I, I could, I'm not going to be shocked either way that this goes. You can make, you know, you can make great arguments that, you know, low roster bonus amount be damned he should be cut by March 19th. I get that. I mean, he's a, mm -hmm. he's been in several tweets of mine this offseason of guys that are due roster bonuses in March that, you know, you're going to have to have discussions uh, about. Uh, paying his $1.5 million roster bonus just to see how the rest of the offseason goes would not be the worst decision in the world, in my opinion. Uh, uh, people say, how dare you call him serviceable? Well, I mean, he was, he, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I, he, 
you, how many games did this team win with him at center? Uh, to me, in a word, that serviceable. Now, do I want to see him in there as the week one starter if this team can afford it uh, uh, to, 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 to not go that route? Absolutely. I, I think this team needs to go a different direction. But is it the worst? What this boils down to is, is it, would it be the worst decision financially and roster construction wise and security wise to pay him the $1.5 million roster bonus to see where it goes from there? And ideally, you pay that, you get into the draft, you get the guy that can be your, your, your future center. He, performance well during the summer, during training camp, during the preseason. Uh, it basically becomes a situ- situation like the, like the Steelers had in, uh, back in 2010 with Marquise Pouncey, right? Who uh, They had the veteran uh, center on the roster at the, at the time. I can't remember if he had a roster bonus due that offseason or not. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you're able, you get yourself in a position where you can move on from the veteran center at that point. You know, what happens if you draft a, a kid, he ends up getting hurt, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, through the off season there. And look, the, uh, the list of, of, of what appear to be, and this will change obviously due to, you know, other teams cutting veteran guys and all like that. At least when you look at the list right now, of those centers set to become unrestricted free agents and all, you know, would you rather go with the devil that you know right now, at least at this point, to get past the draft and into the later into the offseason? Anyway, long story short, I don't think people should be shocked if Mason Cole survives March 19th. And just because he if he did survive that doesn't mean that he can't still be out the door later on in the offseason, either just flat out cutting them or trading them for something because teams some team might might lose a center along the way due to injury and might want a veteran guy on a on a cheap price tag uh to come in and 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 be their starting center and Mason Cole could potentially be that guy for a number of teams around the league you laid it out really well Dave and I'm with you um as you said earlier in the show this team doesn't like to have that big hole in the roster as they kind of go into the free agency draft process they want to have some options some fallback plans if something doesn't work out so they don't feel obligated or compelled that's when you start spending recklessly drafting recklessly reaching for picks and making mistakes and so i i kind of go with the expectation they they have a you know greater than 50 percent chance of picking up that roster bonus on cold just do it to at the least be a placeholder until they find hopefully through the draft their center of the future i look at this as a 1.5 million dollar insurance policy yeah, and that's not nothing, but it could be a lot more. As you said, you know, in the in the post, if it was three million, four million, it's it's, it's a different conversation. One point five, you can you can justify that easier. You can work around that. And look, I mean, you you, you hate you hate to even bring it into the discussion, but we just talked about it. You know, uh, 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 you know, uh, earlier in the show. You know, what happens with Mitch Trubisky? The, you know, how how dependent on that is 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 it with getting Mason Rudolph. Now, obviously, look, if you get Mason Rudolph signed uh, by the time that 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 roster bonus is due for Mitch Trubisky out the door, Mitch goes at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, but but what if what if what if you don't have either Mason Rudolph or, you know, what you anybody would deem as kind of an equivalent to that under contract come that time? Do you, yeah. you know, do you pick up what did we say the roster bonus was one million dollars, you know? 
Yeah, you, you have a good chance of doing that. But the good I'm news not is- advocating that. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to set out, set up a, a scenario. You know, the good news is, as we mentioned Friday, that's a couple days in the free agency, and so hopefully, even if it's not Rudolph, you can get somebody. But the question is, what if Rudolph is just taking his time and weighing his options? And you don't want to go sign a veteran because you might get Rudolph back, but maybe you don't. Then that's like a worst case scenario for Pittsburgh. If they're just in this weird middle ground of not really sure what Rudolph plans to do. And we got this thing due on Trubisky. How do we handle that? That's almost the worst case scenario for what Pittsburgh has to deal with. All right. Agreed. But I just want to lay that out there for everybody. There's a couple of guys with, 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 with roster bonuses. And even if, you know, you keep Cole and he becomes a backup. I mean, he's your backup. You take that. I mean, it's not the cheapest backup in the world, but, you know, you can you can live with that if, if that's what it comes to. And God forbid he can play some guard if you needed him to. Yeah, he played a lot of guard. I think he's playing more guard than center before Pittsburgh signed him, right? Yeah, and I, I you know, when he was signed, though, I kind of viewed him as potentially a better center than he was sure. a guard. But sure, a, but just a, experience. Right. Uh, he does have experience in there. God forbid that. In other words, and look, if you if you if you keep him past the uh, the 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 roster bonus uh, due date and you pay that to him, you're going to keep him on your roster up until late in the offseason at that point. Yeah, either until cutdowns or a potential trade, or you keep him. You're not going to cut him in. July 10th or something that's not going to almost certainly not going to happen. All right. So this will be the, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I told you so, but it it could, you know, and look, once again, I'm not going to be shocked if he goes out the door, you know, prior to that roster bonus being due, but be prepared for him to survive that date is all I'm saying. The good news is it seems like it's a pretty strong center class. There are going to be some uh, options, excuse me, for Pittsburgh come April's draft. Dave, we have some news. It's not a huge piece of news, but it is news all the same. Uh, Pittsburgh will have at least one coach at the Senior Bowl coaching in the Senior Bowl this year. That is assistant offensive line coach Isaac Williams. He'll be coaching the, uh, who is it? The uh, I want to get the right side here and don't say the wrong a team for the senior bowl that'll take place later this month the american team it'll be him and a colts o-line coach coaching up the american team offensive line so we know that and that'll give an inside look on that group there all right good deal and uh any i'm trying to look at the names and no, no names sticking out to me in terms of um uh the coach the the prospects in this game but we'll get ourselves up to speed we'll have our jonathan Hightrider and ross mccorkle at the Senior Bowl this year, and a bunch of people at the Shrine Bowl as well. So we will be well represented when it comes to all things draft related. All right, what else do we have to get to today? Have we covered most of it? Uh, we basically have one other just small draft thing, and Dave and I, uh, Dave and I are very much in our infancy when it comes to draft stuff. Uh, profiles just beginning to go up on the site right now over the last couple of days. But you mentioned one in our group chat. I think over the weekend that really caught my attention and I really want to go watch him. And that is Darius Robinson, the defensive end from Missouri. And just from a measurable standpoint, he seems to check all the boxes. Yeah. You hate to just scout, uh, but I mean, uh, by, by measurables alone, but I, I got to admit, cause I'm putting together all these sheets for the guys, uh, that has links to their, uh, bios and, early kind of uh, 
speculated 40 times in history and, and where they're ranked on on some of the scouting site big boards and all every year I we we try to get these guys as prepared as possible when it comes to the all-star game uh kids and you can't help but once you get all this <laughs> laid out the spreadsheet uh like I do to start looking through some of the measurables and all and the last several years, especially when it comes to Steelers and defensive linemen, uh, I immediately scan for that guy that's like 6'4", 6'5", that's uh, 290 uh, or, 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 or more pounds. And uh, you do that this year on the senior bowl list, and you can't help but uh, uh, when you get to a guy like Darius Robinson out of Missouri by stopping and saying, well, uh, because, uh, uh, even Kevin Colbert, you know, uh, back when he was in charge, he mentioned body types, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And anyway, when you get to a guy like Robinson, uh, come across, uh, uh, a scouting profile out there from a Sam Teets, who's, uh, uh, got some interesting work on, on, on the web right now. Uh, he has listed in there, uh, Jim Nagy, who obviously is the uh, senior bowl director, uh, says that Robinson is a true 6'5", 290 pounds with 34 and 7, 8, 8 inch arms and mm. an 84 and 5, 8 inch wingspan and a 10 and 5, 8 inch hands uh, there. I read that about needed to go jump in the shower <laughs> uh, uh, real quick. Now, I just barely have touched just looking at at, at, at the tape on him. Uh, the other thing that sticks out uh, to him, I think he was voted uh, two-time team captain. Uh, That's important for Pittsburgh. Uh, for, for, for Missouri there. So, uh, look, uh, if you want to get into spreadsheet scouting, which – you, know, you shouldn't be doing a lot of, but just that, that alone and, and, and thinking to the uh, point that, man, this team probably needs to seriously consider drafting a de- another defensive lineman uh, this year at some point here. And knowing that Robinson's probably not going to be a first round guy uh, just off the cuff here. I don't know, anywhere between at least, you know, second to, 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 to late third, maybe early fourth. Uh, this is a guy that I think needs uh, that our guys need to be all over when they're down in Mobile. For sure. I'll have a report on him later this week. Excited to hear about him uh, from our guys down who have boots on the ground in Mobile. Um, but he's just one of those guys where he checks those boxes. And it's so hard to find those those names, uh, those guys that are 6'4", 6'5", with 33-plus inch arms, who can play defensive end, who weigh in around 290, 300 pounds. There just aren't many body types like that. And that's what the attraction was to Keanu Benton initially last year was, okay, he fits those boxes. He's a Wisconsin guy. Let's see if the tape works. And the tape did work. Everything matched up. He becomes Pittsburgh's pick and has a really strong rookie season. So I got to watch Robinson. I think we all have to do that some more, but the production was there. 14 tackles for a loss, eight and a half sacks last year, despite battling injury. First team, all SEC selection. I mean, just on paper, that's the guy who sit there and say, okay, let's go watch more of Darius Robinson. And who is the first guy you had uh, had circled a year ago at this time? It was Keanu Benton. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look, they're going to have interest in this kid to some degree. I, I, we'll say that, you know. Oh, yeah. They're going to see, you know, 
at this guy at the senior bowl and meet with him. They meet with a bunch of guys at the senior bowl, but that's a guy on their list of let's go find out more of and see if he's seriously worth considering. And if, if the tape is as good as the profile looks, then we talking about him for quite some time this off season. I, I agree. All right, Dave, anything else here? Otherwise we can get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Reminder, Dave and I will have a live stream tonight. Our first off season one on YouTube at 7 PM Eastern time for an hour. You can find it on my YouTube channel. Just search my name, Alex Kazora, and uh, you can ask a question to Dave and myself. All right. Lenny in Cleveland writes in, uh, hi guys, Alex. I enjoyed your article this morning about potential OC hires and had a question with Ron Rivera being out in Washington. Would it make sense to bring him in as our defensive coordinator? Uh, I heard he still wants to coach. Uh, also Eric B as our OC. Uh, I know you guys don't think, uh, TA deserves to be, uh, let go, but I do. He says, uh, go through the schedule and look at how many quarterback shredded our defense uh he says san francisco houston jags titans arizona new england indy and finally buffalo was the worst hate that our season is over but can't wait for the sd uh great coverage so what what do you say about ron rivera and uh uh eric b enemy yeah rivera is certainly a defensive-minded coach and probably won't become a head coach again or anytime soon so he'll probably lean on, on a defensive staff somewhere um but it, you know did Pittsburgh have some issues in the past game? No question. Again, the question is how much of that falls on Austin, where there are things he he wasn't doing, he should have been doing, or was it because they, they were on fifth and strict uh, six-string safeties and uh, inside linebacker issues and those kinds of things? Um, and even then, they didn't give up mountains of points to those teams. They didn't play well necessarily, but you know they didn't give up you know huge chunks of points, and they were able to keep a lid on things and, and battle and compete and keep the score down overall. So, um, you know, I, I don't know where that place would be for Rivera unless he wanted just some sort of kind of real assistant, you know, type role. I don't think I'll find that in Pittsburgh. The enemy, you know, that's a name I, I could have put on, on that list as well. I just wonder, you know, there's been some issues with committing to the run and kind of sticking to that over time and his quarterbacks kind of get beat up. But I don't know if that's a, a great fit for Pittsburgh. All right, Craig Sampson writes in, hello, Dave and Alex, what a year and what a sad ending. I have to say this, the tackling in the playoff game was atrocious. I felt like I was watching a movie in slow motion where the bullied kid runs past his bullies to score uh, a touchdown while they all missed their tackles. It was <laughs> surreal. I don't understand. Uh, it's the most basic fundamental of football. Also have to say this, while certain players played well, our offensive line has been bad this whole year, he writes. Uh, our quarterback, whoever it is, has no time to pass at all. If he's not getting sacked, then he's always getting pressured. Uh, watched the KC game, and Mahomes literally seemed to have all day to stand in there. This is also not acceptable. Third, we have uh, this issue with covering the tight end forever, yet it's never really addressed Constantly, we have uh, teams just their tight ends just kill us. Is it our scheme or players? Well, I mean, look, when you get down, like this, this team has had problems covering tight ends for a while now. But when you look at this last year specifically, look at all the injuries that they had uh, at, at the position. I'll interject that in there. Uh, he says, I like uh, Mike Tomlin, but he needs to evolve, and so does the team. I think I remember he once said that he enjoys the gritty, low-scoring, defensive, grinded-out games, and that is not sustainable in this league. He writes, we know these problems, and everyone knows these problems, yet nothing gets done. Sounds like more of a vent venting email there uh from 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 craig 
Yeah, it's a lot to take in. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh covered tight ends well the first half of the season. It wasn't until Holcomb went down, Alexander went down, Roberts played through crap, and you know they had to rely on Walker and bring Miles Jack off the couch and play Mark Robinson, and those things became issues. And then the safety, you know, safeties covered tight ends too, especially in some of those weighty moments, and they were losing everybody there. So it wasn't just the linebackers, it was the safeties as well. Um, it's been an issue past this year, you know, obviously, as you said, Dave, but this year I think that's the the reason why uh nicholas gooden writes in after being extra focused on kenny and steeders quarterbacks for around two years now are there any new things that either of you have learned or changed your opinions on when it comes to nfl quarterback evaluation he says i know that this is uh, a popular new buzzword right now but my biggest thought is elite arm talent i think having arm strength and good pocket presence are the two biggest things to look for in prospects nowadays especially if you're playing in the afc you got to have a guy who's confident in their ability to drill throws into tight windows consistently this is my biggest worry with kenny average arm talent isn't good enough uh, anymore in today's league, he writes. Look, uh, quarterback evaluation is never going to be an exact science uh, uh, at the NFL level. Uh, when you roll back in your head at, 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 at looking things, most notably coming out of that draft class a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I think accuracy is, is is something, especially when you broke down the tape of a guy like Ritter. I remember going back through and going, oh man, the, the ac- where's the accuracy at uh, uh, with him? But on the flip side, you know, Pickett at least kind of in, in, in the final year was accurate. We remember Mike, you know, remember the Steeders talking a lot about Pickett's accuracy coming out of that draft. Uh, the pocket presence though, man, you know, yeah, yeah uh, uh, huge. And I think, uh, you know, Nicholas, you hit on here with elite arm strength and good pocket presence. You know, I don't think you can start a discussion. Uh, now look, you've got guys that obviously can ex- extending the play in the NFL is a bonus. I mean, look at look at how troublesome guys like Lamar Jackson, uh, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes are. Look how look at the extra benefit that you get when you have guys that can extend the play. Uh, but you've got to have quarterbacks that can hang in the pocket. Look at what look at what Baker did. Uh, uh, a couple to look at Jordan Love. Yeah. Goff is not playing out of structure that often. He's playing from the pocket, you know. I mean, those guys sticking in there and making throws and take look at uh, Stroud. You know what mm-hmm. he's what he's able to do. Uh, once again, I, I'm not going to pretend that I've I've got all the secrets with quarterback <laughs> and I, whoever comes up with the secrets going to be a, a a a a very rich man because you just see time time in time out year in year out that as as uh, you know as best as you try to get with this quarterback evaluation coming out of college in 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 the draft the miss rate is still incredible right. Uh, sure. but you know, Nick Nicholas, I think it's hard to go away with some of the things that, 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 that you put in here first and foremost, elite arm strength and good pocket presence. I will add on accuracy in there because you can throw it a mile, but if you can't 
throw it a mile down there to the right person. And then I, I think, and it's, it's, it's hard to decipher a lot of times because you don't know what's being, being called all the time there, but you know, the ability to break down defenses, you could have some, you could have guys with great pocket presence and elite arm strength, but if they can't win, I mean, if they can't read, read a defense and, and adjust to, 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 to a defense and changes post pre-snap and all, what good, what good is that? You know? Yeah, the physical talent means nothing if you don't know where to go with the football in a given situation. And with the increased use of defensive sim pressures and creepers and, you know, cover zero, you have to be able to process and be able to decipher post-snap, you know, very quickly. Um, It's a great question. And I know we've talked about before about the value of -of out-of-structure plays and how that kind of takes you up a level. And that's what makes... Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Mahomes, Lamar, Lamar, et cetera. But just for me to answer the question of what I've kind of honed in on watching young quarterbacks try to develop in Pittsburgh, you know, post Ben, it it is the pocket presence. And throughout the year during Pittsburgh struggles, I just kind of sat there watching and saying, man, just need a quarterback who can play from within the pocket, do the fundamentals and the foundational, you know, levels of football and, that's what Rudolph was able to do. That's why he looked so good. It wasn't anything, you know, crazy or mystical or magical. It was he just played, you know, from the pocket, going to progressions, reading defenses, getting the ball out on time in rhythm. Pickett's done that in moments, but not consistently enough. And Trubisky really doesn't do that at all. So you kind of go back to those nuts and bolts of quarterback play. And I've always said, you know, movement within the pocket is still more important than movement outside the pocket. And I still stand by that, but just kind of really honing in on. You know, can you play from the pocket? If you can do that, you can succeed in the NFL. Look, we wish we had all the answers of it. And, and, and you know, you learn more every draft cycle, and that's what we try to do. But, I mean, it is hard to get away with. with uh, does does Mason have elite arm? Well, he has strength down here, but uh, elite arm talent. I will say not elite arm talent, arm strength, but pretty damn good. What, whatever whatever the next phase underneath elite is, I, I would classify Mason as having. Yeah, he's got a live arm. Um, he doesn't I, have the touch element, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a good arm down the sideline. Do you see some of the middle of the field type throws that are, you know, as high level as other quarterbacks? Probably not. He can do it. I mean, he, he ripped that one to Pickens over the middle on third down against the Bills. Um, but yeah, he's not. He's not Mahomes. He's not Allen. He can't. He can't do the off-platform type stuff. Those guys can do and still, you know, get the ball in there. That's the difference between a Mahomes and an Allen and a, and a Mason Rudolph. All right, let's go to Lane. Writes in. How much of a factor with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson's comments on Mason Rudolph play into Tomlin's decision of the starting quarterback next year if Mason is brought back? Also, how long can Tomlin? put up with Pickens. I'm not close to giving up on him, but I will say his immaturity is frustrating. He says, I know he has, uh, he was frustrated in the moment, but throwing your helmet on the sideline after a missed PI against the bills is a perfect representation of his attitude to this point. Look, I mean, it's off season. We, we went through, we, we saw what this team went through with Pickens and all that. Pickens is still a young kid trying, trying to, uh, you know, grow up still. And, 
you know, Tomlin had a few words about him, how there's still meat on the bone or whatnot in there. He's going to continually be a work in progress as far as his immaturity goes. So we'll just leave it a super talented kid, though, without a doubt. I mean, nobody's going to question the, 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 the talent that he has there. Uh, you're not going to let players decide who your quarterback is. Uh, and it, it's not surprising that coming out of the production that, Mason Rudolph had that Pickens and Deontay are going to show up on the timelines of Mason Rudolph yeah. on, so, on social media. To, to, to answer that, no influence Johnson's and Pickens comments, and they're going to be largely forgotten by the time camp rolls around, unless they say something else in the future, which who knows, maybe they do, but it's, it's going to be about the best man, the best player uh, who gives his team the best chance to win. That'll be the starting quarterback in 2024. All right, Brett now writes in, I was just listening to the podcast where you're giving a salary cap update. I had a couple of questions on Patrick Peterson. If the Steelers decide to keep Peterson, why wouldn't they do a pseudo extension like the one you discussed for Hayward to lower his cap number? I know he's not a lifelong Steeler, but he is a Hall of Famer, so it would be uh, a face-saving movie. So, yeah, I mean, you could definitely take a guy like Patrick Peterson, not give him any new New money uh, in, in, in the first year, take uh, his uh, his uh, his roster bonus and uh, you know chunk of the base salary, turn it into a signing bonus, add, add two years, three years, whatever you want to, and lower his cap, cap number that way. Uh, the, the question becomes, uh, is it worth the is, is it worth the cash versus uh, the idea that 2020 in 24 might be his final season. Could, could they go that way? Is it an option? Absolutely. It is. But, uh, once you make that investment, you, you would, you, what, when is his roster? When did I say his roster bonus is coming up here? Uh, it's one of those days in March. There's so many, I don't know which one it is. The 16th. I don't know. It's right around in there. 13th, 16th. If you were going, let me see. Let me see. It's a March 16th with him. Uh, and it's a $3 million roster bonus and a $3.85 million base salary for 2024. If you're going to do that, you're going to do that before March 16th. That, that, that's, I mean, it, sure. is it an option? Can you lower his cap number a little bit by doing that? Absolutely. Uh, but if you're going to do something like that, that's going to happen uh, by March, by, by the middle of March there. Uh, number two, you discussed, uh, Ogan Joby and the need at defensive end, but to me, there is only one question. Is he worth 10 million? Well, if you're going to ask that question about, if you're going to say is, 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 is Ogan Joby worth the 10 million? You have to ask the same question about Patrick Peterson, right? Is, is sure. he worth, worth the, 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 the six point million? Uh, yeah, and it is a big question with Ogan Joby. Is he worth the 10 million? If he is, then you keep him. If not, you cut him and sign someone else, he writes. The reality is that in the next two years, you have to rebuild the defensive line. Uh, Larry O is not a long-term option, he writes. Could You could replace him uh, with Benton and sign a nose tackle and draft another defensive end high or simply uh, sign another defensive end. Yeah, I mean, all, 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 all points taken there. They they uh, Larry Ogunjobi is a guy you most definitely have to look at his contract uh, uh, this off season. Yeah. I just think, you know, with the uncertainty of the next guy you would bring in the, the domino effect there, the actual cost savings overall, 
And they're going to another one March, March 16th roster bonus too. How much, so how much is the roster bonus? 4.75 yeah. million. So, uh, uh, you're, you're, you know, you talk about what maybe you can do in free agency and what maybe you can do in the draft, uh, you know, based on look, has I, you go back to the podcast and things we wrote at the time when, when they signed Larry Ogan, Joby, you know, that contract raised, raised. I, mm-hmm. I didn't see that contract coming. It was high for sure. We both, we both agreed those numbers felt high. Um, listen, I agree. He's not the long-term option. I think him being gone after next year is far more likely than him being gone this off season, even with that fairly large roster bonus due. Look, had DeMarvin Leal taken a step forward this year, you right. know, uh, along with you getting uh, Benton uh, in, in, in the fold here, you know, you, but what, what the, if you, if you cut Larry Joby before paying his uh, March 16th roster bonus, you damn sure better know somebody's come back in the door in free agency uh, than uh, that's equal to or 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 better uh, than than Larry Ogan Joby because if not, as we talked about, man, you got Cam Hayward coming back another year older. Uh, obviously, you got great prospects there in Keanu Benton. Uh, but what do you have beyond that in that room? And I know he says to move Benton over, but it feels like they're going to keep him at nose tackle. And so I don't think he's he's going to play some sub packages, and he should play more than than he did his rookie season. Um, yeah, I just think if the, if the depth was better, if there was a, a fallback plan. Now, if they go hypothetically, if they sign somebody on the second day of free agency, and then just turn around and cut Ogan Joby right then and there, I mean that that could work. But again, my expectation is they will pick it up, and the next year might be the year that he becomes the uh, the old cap casualty. Yeah, it feels really at this point that that like it or not, you you're married to Larry Ogan Joby in 2024, and you just hope that he has his best season as a Steeler to date. There. You do wonder though, who are the guys they are unlikely to pick up the roster bonus on? Because are they really going to pick up the roster bonuses on all these guys? You think somebody's going to get right, right? And and I here. wrote I wrote you know in my salary cap uh, post uh, recap there, not all these guys are probably. And not only are not all all going to go out the door, but some some will, you know, the question is who I'm trying to find that name. You know, again, if Rudolph is resigned and yeah, Trubisky, no brainer there beyond that. I'm having a hard time convincing myself, at least which guy's the guy you cut. Maybe it's harder to envision that because you don't know who the replacement well, is. And Chiquamo Corfor is out. Well, the yeah, that, okay. that, yeah. that, that that's Fair. one. Um, and I, know, I know Robinson is not a roster bonus, right? Or is, is there a roster bonus on Robinson? Uh, no. Okay. But he, obviously he's not going to be at his current number so that there's a bunch of cap savings. There. Uh, Patrick Peterson is one that you're going to have to have prayer meeting about for sure. Uh, Mitch Trubisky obviously would be out the door if you get, uh, if you get, uh, uh, Mason Rudolph back in the fold, we just talked about Mason Cole and, you know, uh, uh, fa- facing his roster bonus. Uh, I mean, Deontay Johnson's got a $3 million roster bonus, but do you really foresee him out the door? No. So my point is really a core force, the only guy that we're like, okay, this guy's, they're not picking it up. There's really no scenario in which we could see that occurring. All right. Let's rank them as far as less likely or most likely or less likely to pick up their, 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 their roster bonus on. Chukwama Korofor leads the list at 
extremely less likely at four yes. million. Uh, who would be next on the list? Peterson or Trubisky or Cole? I guess would be the question. I'd say Trubisky is uh, next because I think they're going to make every effort to get Rudolph done before that roster bonus comes due on Trubisky. All right. Uh, who, who who would be next? Patrick. Do you agree? Do you, do you agree, Trubisky? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Trub- Trubisky's right. You know, if 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 they can help it, they'll get him mm-hmm. out the door uh, at the same time as Chaporma Core for. Uh, then then who's next? Peterson or or Cole? Yeah, that's where it gets really tough for me. I mean, Ogunjobi, you can throw him in there too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's four, the, four these point are the candidates. Yeah, we're talking about candidates. I. I think they would have would have less conversations about Ogan Joby because of the room as opposed to Patrick Peterson. I'll say Cole. I'll rank it a core for Trubisky, Cole, and then eh, Peterson, Ogan Joby, I guess. Look, uh, are Larry Ogan Joby, Chiquama Core for Patrick Peterson? Mitch Trubisky and Mason Cole all going to be out the door by the start of the new league year in March. No, no, but we don't expect them all to come back. We know a core force not coming back. The question is, will anyone join him? And just because someone does it once again, just because someone doesn't go out the door in the middle of May, doesn't mean they won't eventually go out the door. Right. Especially with guys like Mitch and, and 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 Mason Cole specifically, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the reasons you outlined. By the way, since we mentioned his name or the reader mentioned his name, Ron Rivera can interview for the Eagles DC job. So the other right. side of the Keystone uh, Keystone State. So uh, there you go on Ron Rivera. All right, I think we hit all that email there. Let me see if I can shoehorn us one more in here. Uh, Jeff Berg writes in salary cap without a franchise quarterback. After hearing Dave go over the salary cap for the Steelers as we stand now, I couldn't help wondering how we still are in need of so many players. A team like the Ravens has a high paid franchise quarterback, yet they are loaded in, uh, with talent and depth. We played, uh, the bills and despite having a franchise quarterback, they still seem to be deep with talent. Look, uh, the Bills have got a lot of maneuvering to do salary cap wise. I'll tell you that when you look at their situation. He says the Steelers, however, have a tiny fraction of the salary cap devoted to the quarterback. And yet we need a center, a slot receiver, safety, corner, off ball linebacker, right tackle and more. And yet we're still up against the cap without a big chunk of money. Uh, to snag needed players and build depth. Why is this? To add insult to injury, it seems like the Ravens seem to always have a bunch of draft picks, he says. He's got a lot going on in that uh, email there. Uh, Jeff, look, I'll tell you about the Steelers salary cap situation. You got uh, uh, T- you, you went out and spent a lot of money on some players in TJ Watt, in, uh, in, 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 in Mika Fitzpatrick, and, you know, you're in, and Alex Highsmith, and you're in, you know, uh, in the midst of those deals, not in the first year of those deals anymore. And th- that's when those uh, cap charges start increasing there. And then, you know, as we pointed out there, you look at a guy like Cameron Hayward, who uh, is in the last last year of his deal. And that's obviously in inflated, excuse me, and you're going to have to do something there. Deontay Johnson's in, 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 in the backstages of his deal. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, who we just talked about. I mean, just because you're not spending it on a quarterback doesn't mean that you don't spend it in other areas. And 
and that's that's the situation the Steelers are in right now. And you have to spend ninety percent over that mm-hmm. multi-year three, span. Three, three years, three years span. Yeah, you got to spend yeah. not at least ninety percent of the cap three-year total in cash. Yeah, so that makes teams spend and not just you know truly tank and build the cheapest roster possible and and sit on that cash. So um, NFL makes makes you makes you pay. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, you got a lot going on in that email, but maybe we, we answered some of it there, Jeff. All right. Uh, we are about what an hour and 40 minutes in here. Yeah. We, uh, we found some, we always say Monday when we talk about Dave and then two hours later, we, uh, we find something to talk about. Well, when you add my rambling and stuttering <laughs> in there, I can fill up some time, uh, there, but, uh, good conversation today. I, I really enjoyed talking about the OC conversation and all like that. And, uh, Anyway, uh, we will be back at it more than likely again on Wednesday. Maybe a shorter show then. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steeders Depot. Uh, follow Alex on the same platforms at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, want to donate, SteedersDepot.com. If you uh, like an ad free version, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button. And with all that, until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast. With Dave and Alex.